Welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented, of course, by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and I am joined once again by my friend, my esteemed colleague, my fighting game community maestro, Terrell Skelly. How you doing, Terrell? Hey, what's going on? Um, I've been doing good. I just, I'm recovering from Evo, watching it, binge watching it, you know, it's great. It's fun, fun time for a fighting game community. Yep, it's August 7th, and last weekend was EVO, the largest fighting game event annually. So we had to bring Terrell on because he knows way more about the fighting game community, about these individual storylines than I do. And he can give you that really in-depth breakdown of what we just witnessed at EVO. And I'm really excited to start breaking it down. Uh, But we're going to start first for people who aren't familiar with with what EVO is and why it is so important in the FGC. So EVO is the biggest fighting game competition on the planet. All the biggest titles come, and sometimes it's not the biggest event of the year for them, but for most it is, with Tekken, Street Fighter, Blaz Blue, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Smash Bros. Whatever it may be, EVO has it, and it's a massive competition. All the best players in those games are going to be there. It began in 1996 and it started as the battle by the Bay, a 40 man street fighter tournament in 1996 in Sunnyvale, California. Then it moved over to the Las Vegas Valley. And in 2002 changed its name to the evolution championship series or Evo. Where does the O come for? Why isn't it the ECS? Why is it Evo? I think it's just organization or organized. I honestly don't know. They think they just shortened down Evo. So if you like an Evo, um, there's a car that's a Evo. It's an evolution, but Evo. It's just the e- first three letters. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was. I, I I just read that over. I was like, well, I've. It's always been Evo. That's always how I've known it. And nobody ever calls it the Evolution Championship Series. At least never that I've heard. And they have now more due to the more mainstream of like with esports being implemented in fighting games, you know, finally accepting some esports into their life. It's becoming more called the Evolution Championship Series just to get like the casual fans back or casual fans in in the first place. But other than that, if you're you grew up with it, it's Evo. It's Evo 2K, just like the 2K games, 2K19, 2K18, whatever. Yeah, it's the shorthand that became the only thing the game is known as. And so we're going to be talking a lot of different things in this. This is partially an EVO recap, talking about some of the biggest people in the tournament, some of the best moments from it. And we also wanted to cover a really interesting topic, which is Super Smash Bros. And why many in the fighting game community don't consider it an eSport. Or not, sorry, not an eSport. They don't consider it a fighting game. So you have all these different things. It's obviously at Evo, a large fighting game tournament. But it's sort of a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the correct way. It's like an outlier, even though it's arguably the largest game in this genre. Many in the fighting game community don't consider an eSport. So that's something we're going to be unpacking at the end after we cover everything EVO. Um, before we get into the 2019 tournament, though, Terrell was telling me a little bit offstage his very first experience with EVO, which was actually as a participant, or at least he tried to be. 
Yeah, so, um, Mitch asked me, hey, how did you find out about Evo? Most people found out about Evo due, due to the famous Evo Moment 37 with Justin uh, Wong and Daigo Yumahari, the Beast. Um, if you haven't seen the clip, Google it, YouTube it. I highly recommend it. It brings all the hype that all the fighting games, like, it explains what we are in the fighting game community. However, so when I got in, I heard about it and I thought I was good at Street Fighter 3. So I entered, I paid for a fee, I paid for a hotel, and me and my friend were going to go. I was going for Street Fighter 3, and my friend was going for Smash Brothers Melee. Practice, practice, practice. Well, lo and behold, I got in trouble and I got grounded. So I ended up being grounded my only time I ever entered Evo. And I gave up after that, and I'm like, I'll just watch it. And one of the best fighting game players of all time. Could have been, but you got grounded. Yeah, don't mouth off to your parents, kids. It's not worth it. You always lose, and you lose the privilege to use their truck. So... (laughs) That's so brutal, man, but I love that story because that's... What Evo is, and especially back in those early days of esports, anybody can enter, and anybody still can enter an Evo competition. In fact, these many of the tournaments now have well over a thousand people signing up to compete. Some journalists do it as like, uh, "Oh, let's see how far I can get Evo." Spoiler: they lose in the first round almost always, uh, and it's just it's a, it's such a fun event because it's really maintained that grassrootsness of it even though it's grown into be this massive spectacle i agree like so it hasn't a lot of people compare it to like csgo and league of legends and stuff like that the issue is is the way that fighting games are catered and built up they come from you know the arcade games like it's kind of like an underground fight it's like fight club that's exactly the best way to put it and this year, only two two games had less than a thousand um, players participants. Soul Calibur Six and Blaze Blue, and the rest at least had you know close to twelve hundred players a pop. Dragon Ball Z was the lowest with one thousand one hundred ninety one. Smash Ultimate was almost thirty five hundred uh, participants. That's a lot from where it came from from 1996 where people would have to you know haul in a van or haul across country or fly over um it's it's so much because unlike uh now it's becoming more and more popular to play online like you'll have online tournaments and stuff the fighting game community was still keeping it quote land style you know you're looking at your opponent you're sitting next to your opponent and you got to deal with the crowd either cheering you on or booing you and I think that's a lot harder when it's a 1v1 situation, when you don't have teammates to fall on. So, Yeah, it's a really intense competition because it's such... Every single game is very, very technical. There isn't a ton of macro strategy in fighting games. It really comes down to precision and execution done on a huge stage in front of a bunch of people with usually a lot of trash talk flowing between the two players, too. That's one of the best parts of the fighting game community is that they really embrace trash talk and want their players talking shit back and forth. And that's not always found in, uh, in a lot of the other esports. Uh, a lot of them are pretty, a lot of people who compete are 
or timid, I guess. They they aren't they just want to play the game and they don't want to talk. And that's of course a valid uh take as a as a professional esports player, but you know, there's something nice about just uh just getting in your opponent's face and letting them know you whooped them. Yeah, and I mean if you want to compare like <sighs> I don't, I don't, I don't always like to do it like this because I don't like to compare traditional sports and esports. However, if you want to say that the fighting community is UFC, it's boxing. Like we are not afraid to trash talk you. Of course, there's its limits. Like you know, no family, no girlfriends, no like sexual orientation stuff like that. Like the really deep meaty stuff. No, but if you tell that player, hey, go grab your fight stick, get out of my face, stuff like that, it's all for it. I don't see it that much, especially as, like, I've covered the Overwatch League for a minute. Like, they are respectful, but they don't really trash talk each other. And it, it, I don't like it because I just, I don't see their full personalities. And with the fighting game community, you see personalities out of the players, the commentators, the tournament officials even. Like, they all have that passion. Like, all right, you guys are in the top of the top of the 1% of the 1%. Now go make this money and go bring home that trophy. Like. So for me, definitely, I think it's something that other esports could take from is this this passion that surrounds it. Doesn't you don't have to be be talking trash all the time, but really let the emotion come out as you play. And maybe it's a regional difference. If you look at the Overwatch League, you're looking at a bunch of people who are from Asia. And while the the fighting game community definitely has a lot of people from Asia, it's a more of a mixed bag in terms of who is. The best and what cultures they come from. I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a cultural regional difference as well. I think so as well because if you even look in the fighting game community, like the Japanese players, they don't what they call quote pop off. Which is, you know they go off shooting their mouth off and stuff like that. Compared to like you know the black community or even the white community, they they're more humble about it. Like all right, man, I just beat you down. Now just hold this loss while I go celebrate with my friends and stuff. Um, but there are some. Yeah, it's let the game. Yeah, there are some though that will pop off. Like, uh, for example, um, there's a player. His name is Goichi, and he's a he's considered what they call an anime fighting god. He's kind of like one of the gods of anime fighters compared to you know the five gods of Smash Bros. Well, he popped off this weekend, and he actually literally started crying on stage after he beat you know the best American player hands down in Sonic Fox. Like. Yeah, that was a huge moment. Actually, that leads perfectly in to our actual recap. So you mentioned the five gods of Smash, and we're going to talk about them quite a bit later because this was a really important tournament for Smash. But I want to get everything non-Smash related out of the way. And that starts with Sonic Fox. He is my guy. I think he's an absolute champion. And he is still the best fighting game player on the entire planet. He entered three tournaments at Evo because he can just do that. Uh, he His worst finish was 33rd out of however many hundreds of people entered the Soul Calibur tournament. And he doesn't really play Soul Calibur because he also entered two others. He entered Dragon Ball Fighter Z, where he is the defending champion, and he entered Mortal Kombat, where he is not the defending champion. But... At the end of the day, he won the Mortal Kombat tournament, just decimated everybody. Let's let's start with that one. How was his run through that? I mean, I was unfortunately, I was at a cabin. I was unfortunately on vacation at a cabin, which was really nice. But I wasn't able to watch Evo. 
So, Terrell, I'm going to lean on you a little bit. How was his run through Mortal Kombat? Because everything I've seen as a recap was he destroyed. He, um, so, people, if you have to say, Sonic Fox, what game? It's going to be another Realm Studio game, whether it's, um, Mortal Kombat and Justice, that game engine and that type of fighting games, that's his that's his playground. Like you're coming over to his house and you're playing on his playground. Like he only plays with you if he thinks you're worthy of it. And he's lost like he lost the scar a few tournaments ago, but when he gets on the bigger stage, it's when he goes off on that tournament. He's so good. Um I remember when I first saw him, he was it was last it was the last Mortal Kombat, and he lost. He got put in the losers bracket, and he always if you don't know Sonic Fox, he's a furry. So he's a guy that wears like a fur suit or fur hat, like a fox ears or whatever. And he took the ears off, and I remember I think it was uh, Yipes, one of the casters. He said, "Oh, Sonic Fox took his ears off. He's serious." And then he just demolished his opponent in like three games, and he's like, "Yeah, this isn't my. This is my house. Like, you gotta earn it." That's where he first came up with. And then, like you said, he's trying out everything. He he he's a competition junkie. Like, he needs that adrenaline. Um, but he's always respectful to his opponents. He'll still trash talk them and stuff like we were talking about at the beginning. But he is. Loud. He is proud of who he is. He is proud of his friends that are in the fighting game community. And he's not afraid to beat you down when he needs that money or wants that championship. And you got to go through heaven, hell, wherever, be reincarnated to actually even like get him into the loser's bracket. That's how crazy good that dude is. He is so absolutely nuts. And I love watching. He's probably my favorite individual esports player in the game today just because he's like you said, so respected. He's not afraid to pop off, but nobody ever takes it personally because he's Sonic Fox and he's just well-respected because it seems like he's just a nice guy. Even if you're on the sticks, he's whooping your ass. He's not a bad person out there. So it's that's the most important thing. You can pop off. You can celebrate. You can even talk a little bit of good-natured uh, trash talk, but... As long as you're a respectful individual and you don't take it too far and it's all in good fun and you're really good at what you do, you're going to be still adored by the fighting game community. And I think Sonic Fox is pretty un- unanimously uh, enjoyed. Would you agree with that? I I agree with that. I agree with that completely. Like people, <laughs> he put a tweet up saying, I am not. LeBron James of the fighting game community. I am Sonic Fox of the fighting game community. And he is 100% correct. Except for the fact, like, people love to hate him because he's a winner. And he's also not afraid to open his mouth on anything. Because all the trash talkers, they're just low-level plebs that just play on the sticks, like, at home or in a local arcade, and they they haven't beaten him yet. Thing about it is, he's only 21. Only twenty one. Most most fighting game like community players, they're usually around till what? Tokido for Street Fighter. He's he's thirty nine, almost forty. So Sonic Fox, if he wants to, can do this for another twenty years and be fine. Yeah, that's so it's so crazy about the fighting game community. We're just gonna go off the rails here, but 
when you look at like the Fortnite World Cup, which has the average age of the person playing is 17 years old. And you're like, wow, esports is dominated by young people. But then you look at fighting games, which are usually the um, the the thing pointed to for why esports skews younger than traditional sports is uh, reaction time. They're like, that deteriorates quicker than anything else. Well, fighting games should have the highest reaction time, like be the where reaction time is the most important versus every other game. So why do you think fighting game players are able to have these long careers, even though theoretically their reaction time should be slowed and they should be worse? That's the excuse we see applied to a lot of other esports. Um, I think with the fighting game community, because it's more muscle memory. So hmm. think about it this way, Mitch. Okay. You, you're writing a book. You're writing a book real quick, and you have to write these three sentences, but you got to do it a hundred times. So you do it a hundred times, but by then you're used to it. You can do it in your sleep. It's the same thing with the fighting games because you know your moveset. You already know, hey, like Dragon Punch, whatever, whatever. While with Overwatch, you got to plan out your attacks and stuff like that, but you might might not be able to catch up with the faster, you know, the call. So you might be like, oh crap, I got to do it like this. While the fighting game is like, all right, I can do it on my own. He punches, I got to block quick, so I already know, hit back on the stick, hit this button, go. So it's like all muscle memory, pretty much, while you're doing it. And there's like a cadence to the button tap, so it's not like you got to quickly change up. It's like, all right, I did this, tap, 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 go. Interesting. So it's more anticipation-based versus reaction-based? Like, once you're reacting, you've already lost in a in a fighting game? I would say yes, because there's certain, like, minute stuff I won't go into here, because I'll bog this thing down. But the, when you learn it when you're a kid, it's just like, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, playing baseball. Like, alright, you know that pitch is coming, and you're playing the same pitcher every day. Every day. Alright, this is when he's going to release the ball. This is when I swing. Even with, like, bad timing, the muscle memory is still there, so you can still go, go, go. So that's why with fighting game community, even though it's older, you can still drag the pace down into the mud, make sure, you know, your opponents are on your level for the speed of the game, and then react accordingly. Huh. That makes sense. It's a really interesting, uh, interesting area and something that esports is really going to need to figure out its age problem because stars drive sporting esporting leagues, whether they be LeBron James. Like that's why people watch NBA games. Like there's the diehard people who love a nice pick and roll, but most people are watching to watch LeBron or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or whoever. It is. That's why most people watch games. And esports has a little bit of, has struggled a little bit in the star capacity and building up people. That's because a lot of people retire at the age of 24 and move on to coaching. And when that happens, like imagine if LeBron retired at 24. That's like the, his prime right there. It's just, all right, I'm going to retire, guys. Bye. I'm sorry, what? Wasn't even, yeah, he wouldn't have made a single finals. He wouldn't have won a single MVP award. It's it's such a weird thing. And esports is really going to have to figure out how to have those generational stars and keep them around because that is it's going to be so important in developing fandoms of players uh, in the future. So that, it, that's, a, that's something to look at down the road in esports. But getting back to Evo, uh, another huge moment, while Sonic Fox is absolutely incredible, 
Uh, he's, he's so incredible that nothing he did this weekend really came as much of a surprise, I guess. And what was a surprise, however, was the winner of the Tekken event. So you have a guy who is pretty much unknown on the circuit. People were aware of him. His name's Arslan Ash. He's from Pakistan. And he won the Tekken 7 Grand Final and then immediately dropped to his knees and prayed right after he won. And so that's the most iconic image you're going to see from the event is him on his knees uh, celebrating. He's a Muslim, so he's, he's praising Allah in that moment right after winning. A really powerful moment a little bit from a an area of the world that isn't represented very often in esports in the Middle East. Yeah, um, he like you said, Pakistan and the Middle East is really hard to find. Um, I found what he did was like super, super powerful. Um, just because it shows who he is. Like he's Muslim. He loves who he is. He loves the game, and he earned what he could do. Like there's always people like Hungry Box, you know, celebrating on the floor, tearing up, Goichi crying, stuff like that. They all do it in their own way, and he did it his way. And that actually speaks volumes because everybody, most people respected him for doing that out there. Like, the funny thing is, is he was so not really known. Like, he was known a little bit by, you know, within the hardcore Tekken community. But normal, normal, like, casual fans, nobody knew who he was. As they didn't even have a picture of him on the Tekken World Tour, like, website for a minute. Wow, that's they crazy. had to take one. They just put one up. I had just Googled it to look while you were explaining who he was. And they finally put one him from Evo. But I think with this prize money, and now he's third in the world tour globally, he is going to be able to make a scene and be able to continue to push forward with the help of his um, his gameplay, especially his uh, Kazumi, and how he can get in there and earn more stuff so he's going to have some harder competition because he's still in the considered to be in the asian pacific but when you win a masters plus which is like a premier top top major then you you got a good footing on to make it to the world championship and uh i think it's taiwan so Nice. Yeah, I mean he's he's got it. He's got to get in there now. And it is sometimes tougher if he has a, a unique fighting style with somebody out there. Sometimes the the first appearance of this guy, you know, the top players were preparing for who they thought they were going to face and suddenly they're facing this person. They don't know his fighting style. They don't know, you know, what moves he likes to do, what what is what his goals are. And so it can be it can be tough for for an upcomer and that's what makes Evo so special. You have this field of uh, 18, it was 1,885 people competed in Tekken at Evo, and then he was able to win the, the whole thing coming out of sort of obscurity, and that's just such a cool thing in esports for somebody to, he had visa issues coming over, he almost didn't yep. get to attend, maybe he was, yeah, his country almost grounded him, unlike you, this could have been your story, Terrell, except instead of parents being grounded, he could have been denied visa issues i know right and the thing is the way he, <laughs> he'll never let that go will you? i'm gonna get grounded um i love that the, the best way is 
to put it is he beat the number one global player in the world in knee right now and the number two player from America and globally, Anakin, to win that. Never lost the match or anything. This kid showed up, and he's he's going to be here to stay, as cliche as that sounds. He's going to be good. Yeah, and that's the that's the cool thing about Evo is this open competition makes it sound like it's anybody's game, but still the rankings are so found out that usually when Evo's reach the championship, it's one of the top it's two of the top five players battling it out. It's how it was in Mortal Kombat and in Dragon Ball Z, I believe. At least in Dragon Ball Z, I know Sonic Fox lost to the number two guy, and I'm not sure where the person he beat in the Mortal Kombat finals was ranked, but Usually, Evo finals come down to a group of, oh, say, you know, four or five gods? Yep, I would say so. Just like, that's why they have, they name them the insert game gods of the top five, whatever. Like, I see, you know, they get Smash as the top five. Um, Street Fighter has their, their, I think it was called their Global Warriors or something like that. I mean, Dragon Ball Fighter, even though it's a two-year-old game and it's steadily declining, they have their top five, the top five anime gods, or top four, and then there's Sonic Fox, who just owns everybody. But they all... <laughs> the god of the gods, the, the Zeus of the... Yes, of the yes, he is. But they just, they all have their, like, top five echelon. Like, I don't know... Excuse me if I'm wrong, Mitch, but does Fortnite have something like that? I know because it's so young... I don't know if that has no. established yet. I think it's just like top five popular players. Fortnite is a shit show. That is my... All right, there's that. <laughs> Fortnite esports... <laughs> well, it, the, the problem is Battle Royale esports in general is that because fighting games are a 1v1 competition, it's very easy to see who's the best. And the problem with Fortnite competitions is that the 100 people in there, the odds are likely it's going to be somebody who hasn't ever won a tournament before. And in fact, that's what we've seen play out. The World Cup champion, Buga, hadn't won anything. The duo champion, Cooler, uh, Aqua, and Nyrox, had never really won a major tournament. Tifu and Cloak won the biggest tournament previously. Like All these people have won one tournament in Fortnite. And because it's only been playing for a year, there's really no way of differentiating who is the best because it's... You know, nobody's ever proven themselves again and again and again on the biggest stages. And that's what you need to do to be considered one of those one of those gods. And I honestly think Fortnite esports are going to die before it can ever figure out who is even the best player. Man, that sucks because that show, that show, that game is so popular right now. Like, even I tuned in, even though I'm like, who's that person? And my girlfriend's like, how old are they? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know anything. Oh, look, there's Golden Boy. At least I know Golden Boy. And everything else, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, it was just fun to watch, but it just looks so, I don't know how to put it nice, a little bit randomized to me. It was, it's so hard because there's no way, when you compare it especially to fighting games, which are on a 2D plane on a map that doesn't move, versus a giant open world with 100 people in it, it's just drastically different approaches to esports. And the Fortnite one comes with a whole host of problems inherent to Battle Royales. And honestly, I just think Battle Royale esports are probably doomed to fail in the future. There's... Just no good way to track them or broadcast them. They'll still be around, but it's those problems. Once it isn't the hot new genre anymore, like it has been for the last two years, 
you know, people's interest in the esports side of it is going to fall away, I think. Um, yeah. It depends, though. You know, if, if somebody can find the right format, like Apex Legends had a really interesting tournament at the X Games last weekend. I'm actually going to plug, I'm talking to TSM's Apex team tomorrow. So plugging that podcast, you have that to look forward to coming next week on the Esports Network podcast feed. We're going to be talking about Battle Royale Esports. Uh, so be sure to come back to the feed. Check out that podcast. I'm really excited to talk to them. And that's how you add a promo into the middle of your conversation just randomly. Love it. Uh, I wish I could do that. I just like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, just check me out. Um, I don't know what we're talking about yet. All right. <laughs> I'm getting good. I'm like 45 episodes into this. I'm making them flow together. And now I'm going to break right out of it. Look at this. I'm talking about my promos. Not great. Um, we're going to talk about Smash Bros. Because this was definitely an Evo recap. But it was a really interesting tournament for Smash Bros. And that is because for the first time since Evo changed its name to Evo back in 2002... Smash Bros. Melee was not on the official roster. And I'm actually not sure if they were on it back in 02 or 03. But my point is, Smash Bros. Melee has been out since 2001 and has been a major fighting game for the vast majority of that time, except maybe it's not a fighting game. I don't know. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, too. But this Evo doesn't have Melee. And actually, some community tournaments popped up and they played Melee on the, like, the the non-event side so they also evo has always hosted allowed smaller games to hold their own tournaments and that was just dominated by melee with hungry box taking home the grand prize of six hundred dollars for the melee competition it's it's sad to me a little bit but the reason this happened was because Nintendo wants to focus on Smash Bros. Ultimate and because Nintendo does not care about Smash Bros. Melee for no good reason. It annoys me a lot. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but it was, it was funny. It was funny. It's Nintendo somehow managed to make an eSport in 2001. 2001 that without patches or being able to be changed was still a competitive and evolving esport in 2019. That's absurd. Nothing else has even come anywhere close. And yet Nintendo still didn't ever put monetary prizes towards melee competitions. They didn't really support the scene ever. And it makes absolutely zero sense whatsoever. Yeah, so, um, no, no, you're fine, you're fine, I, it sounded like you needed it, I'm glad I heard it all, uh, outside of Smash, esports, or not esports, Evo and the fight game community has a prize pool issue in general, it's not, Smash is one of the bigger ones because it's more well known, but they all have the, that issue of not, the proper prize pool is bad, let's just say it like that, there's no other way to say it. it's bad like some of them are so bad like people are losing money to fly out to evo to win but like you said nintendo literally had a golden egg fall into their hand and they're like we're gonna throw this egg up and down up and down and when we catch it we're gonna have a bunch of people watching it and then they just drop the egg and it broke and they're like all right we'll give 
this player this little bit of money, this player this little bit of money. But you got to think of it. Your fans literally brought this game up to massive prominence. Melee. And they did it just by you guys saying, here's the game. Have fun. We're not going to touch it. We're not going to patch it. Here's you. Here's your GameCube 2001. Go have fun in your basement or whatever. And go from there. And, I mean, like you said, look how much it blew up. And then it, it shocked the world. Even non, like, Melee or Smash Bros. fans shocked the world when they found out Melee wasn't going to be on the roster. Because even though people argue that it's not a, like a fighting game, it still brings those eyes in for the other games. So you want a big name there. Okay, so should we talk about why Melee is considered a fighting game? Let's wait, what's that? Let's, uh, let's, do, let's do the recap first. What's, what do you want to do first? Let's do let's do Ultimate real quick and what happened. So finally, for all the time that Smash Bros. has been at Evo, Melee has been the main attraction. And then Smash 4 for a while, Brawl back when it was in. Those competitions existed. But now with Melee finally taken, it's now Smash Bros. Ultimate time to shine. And it's... Smash Bros. Ultimate is the best Smash game released since Melee, in my personal opinion. The Brawl and 4 were both kind of rough, weird in in their mechanics. And then Ultimate got back to some of the Melee quickness and movement that really made Melee so awesome as an eSport. That said, I don't know much about the Smash Bros. Ultimate Melee, or the Smash Bros. I still add Melee into Smash Bros. just as a habit. So I don't know much about the Smash Bros. Ultimate scene. Throughout Breakdown, the winner, MK Leo, and you know what what this win meant for him. MK Leo, I think he just turned sixteen. Um, he's one of the he's up and he's not really up and coming. He's here. Like, there's no well. He's kind of up and coming. He, no, he's here and he's. He's good. He is. Um, I think he said they were number one or two on the top ten. I'm sorry. I'm just. I was looking at it and then I lost it. On the top ten, Panda, the Panda Global Smash Brothers rankings, which is your go-to, like your power, your power rankings. He okay. So they put him in as overall score. He's number one. He's top overall right now. He's a god, and he plays Joker, which he's from a. Persona 5, it's a different video game. It's guest character. Um, he, He's just good. Like, I mean, he came in first at Frost... I mean, second Frostbite. First at CEO. Like, fourth on Get On My Level. Like, he's so good. And then he just won. Like, won Evo by coming back from the loser's bracket. Resetting the bracket. So, right quick... If you don't know what resetting the bracket is, think of it this way: you got me and Mitch are playing rock paper scissor. I, I'm already lost, and so I beat Mitch three times, and then we're doing another best out of three. So, if I win again, I win the tournament altogether. So you got to win two best out of threes to be the champion of rock paper scissor between him and I. It's the same thing with fighting game in the grand finals. Like you come from the losers bracket, the winner. Still hasn't lost yet, so he has a chance to lose to be put into what they call the loser's bracket. Well, Leo reset the bracket and then swept Tweed. And just, it was, Tweed is a great player, but it, what he did was, Tweed, I'm sorry, I keep calling him Tweed. It was embarrassing because he's the number two 
like player in the world, and he went in with his Pokemon trainer, and he acted like he was just a scrub player. And it's mean to say, but that's how good MK Leo is right now. Um, he picked the game up really good. I have a bone to pick with the re- with the reset the bracket function because it makes obviously the most sense in that somebody if it's a double elimination tournament the person in the winner's bracket should lose twice but i swear i never see anybody reset the bracket and then lose you know what i'm saying i've seen it happen a couple of times and but i mean don't forget though i've watched fighting games my whole like life but it's it is rare to see them reset the bracket and then lose. Um, I think the latest one was a Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament or a Street Fighter Five tournament. Uh, they reset the bracket and then they lost pretty well at the end. Um, so, but okay. it's it's okay. happened. I'm but I mean, happy. I do understand people's gripes about it. But I also understand you got to give the winner. You can't just say the winner loses and that's it. Like, yes, I agree. If you're gonna do a double elimination, you have to have the bracket reset be a part of it. It just, I've always considered if maybe like you could do it in the same. Okay, bear with me on this one. You can do it in the same series, and how you do it to make up for the difference is that the loser has to win five games, and the guy from the winners bracket has to win three. Okay. And so then you get to two and two, and the guy from the winner's bracket has a massive advantage versus it being, you know, oh, I reset the bracket. Now we're going to a clean slate. I've got all the momentum. That's my idea. That's how I want to improve the bracket reset function. Uh, nobody's ever listening to me on these ideas, but that's mine. <laughs> that's your that's your uh, idea? You want to put it in the opinion box? Because they always ask, ever, how can you make a fighting game tournament better? And you could always put it in there, like that's what I suggest. The can you imagine the hype when it's four to two and it's next game wins? I don't know. I I just think it's I think it's an interesting way and keeps the person from the winners bracket because once they lose that series, it gets brutal. Everybody's rooting for the underdog, so I don't know. I I think it's a a worth worthwhile thing to look at uh, for people who want to keep the intensity high. Also, there's a little bit of the, you know, when it's the final series, I want the pressure to be, I mean, obviously the pressure is very high, but it's like mm-hmm. either you win or you lose versus for one person's playing for the win and the other person's playing to keep playing. Takes a little bit away of the pure, like, mono mono nature of it. I want a winner and a loser, and that's it. I don't want somebody playing to keep playing, and then they play, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is my so bone to pick. This is so. Um, you remember how we had the SVs, the SVs uh, podcast, right? Where we we're talking about it. <laughs> and remember, one of the nominations was the Evo Switch with Sonic Fox and Goichi. Right, 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 right. That was, that was a bracket reset. Okay. Okay. So Goichi came, right. Goichi came from the finals. Beat Sonic 3-0, and then Sonic beat him 3-0. Yeah, okay. That's 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 a good counterpoint. I was super hyped in that moment, so there's no reason to trade something. <laughs> but I understand. I understand what you're saying. Um, 
quick side thing, one of the lower tier esports I watched, like Smite, they tried doing that with a MOBA game, so it took about six hours, <laughs> if not longer. And the team the team actually won and did a reset. It went to five games the first set, they reset it, it went five games the second set. I don't know any game where I could play 10 games at a high competitive level and not be tired, irritable, and just angry at everybody, because that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. That's horrible. Five. Oh, so oh. bad. MOBAs, you can't play... You mm-hmm. can't play more than just, like, a best of three is pushing it. Don't make them be a best of five. Ugh. Like... I like the best of fives, but I did not like the best of five. Then the reset. I'm like, oh my god, what are you guys doing to these kids? And sure, the- that's a time when you can use my format. I think yes. where that's it's like two and four. You got to win two maps, or you got to win four. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. The maximum we're gonna play is five games. Yep, we're not playing twenty. We're not playing ten games. Get out of here. Good night. Good luck. So. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to get into the question that is what we've promised this entire podcast. Smash Bros. on all its iterations from the original 64 version, Melee, Brawl, 4, and now Ultimate is not considered a fighting game by a very large and relevant section of the fighting game community. Terrell, why is that? Alright, I ain't gonna lie. I am that old person that doesn't think Smash Brothers is a fighting game. Now, I've had friends, namely one of them is Olivia from Pro Guides. She is a writer for Team Liquid. Convinced me that Smash is a fighting game. Now, I won't cross that bridge fully due to the fact you have to change everything. Like, you can't just boot it up. All right, I'm going to boot it up, and we're going to play 1v1, and we're going to pick a stage and go. You have to change, like, your stock. You have to change, you gotta get rid of the items. So, all your default stuff, you have to change immediately, right off the top. Now, with Ultimate, they have the setting, they have what I think is called the tournament setting, where all that stuff's already turned off. But before, you had to turn it on, turn all the stuff off, and then go through all that. I don't think you should do that for a, quote, traditional fighting game. That being said, our generation likes to change a lot of things. And the Smash Brothers is the way they're starting to change stuff for the fighting game community. Because it's so easy to pick up, to play. Stupid hard to master. Because you still need that, like, pretty much that fast finger, fast twitch fingers. Um, and then there's so many characters that can counter so many other characters. And with the higher participants, you got more challenges out there. So, and also getting a Switch and getting all that stuff is a lot easier than, like, getting a game set up, getting a fight stick, stuff like that. So. I hear you. I do. I think it's dumb. I, I re- <laughs> remember, I said I, I am that old guy. I admit it. Like, that is the old person in me. I am 32 with so much gray hair that, like, Willie Nelson is jealous. But. That is me. Like, I do agree to a point it's dumb, and I do agree I'm trying to change my ways. It's going to take a minute. <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from. I really do. And you laid out the argument very reasonably, and you are a member of the fighting game community, not in a way that I am not. So for people who are listening to this, they're like, don't 
who cares, Mitch? You're not a part of this community. We say what goes. That's all well and good. I just think personally that the fighting game community is sort of an offshoot of esports and they've you know the community has sort of done well to not integrate with the full esports movement in in a lot of ways but it should because fighting games are some of the best esports that we have by far and i would love a united front from the fighting game community because smash bros is ultimately the game that most casual players are going to associate with a 2d platform based fighting game and i would love to see if it's included and maybe it pushes people to other aspects of the fgc that is my take I I agree. So one of the detriments to the fighting game community, and I'm all on this boat, is the reason. Some of the reason we're not getting that prize money is because we we stick our nose up to the esports community. Now I don't because I've been. I love the fighting game community. It's my home. Like if they're like, hey, you got to cover the fighting game community or Overwatch the rest of your life. I'm going to the fighting game community. However. They do need to let some of that esports money in, because now these players like are starting to get popular. Like Sonic Fox, like we we're talking about, stupid popular. Um, MK Leo, another stupid popular. Both Echo Fox, Echo Fox is, yeah, they're making money from the League of Legends, but they could also be like making that money with merchandise for the FGC because. We love hoodies too. We love we love beanies too. We love backpacks and stuff. Like we'll in, we need to embrace that more. Now to be serious and I'm going to be blunt. There's a social issue to it. The FGC is one of the most diverse communities in all of esports. Do you agree? Oh, it's not even it's not even close. What happened? They are well. I mean, like the CS:GO community is probably the closest, but it's you have FGC players from every single major region on the planet. Right. I don't think any other esport can say that because, like, CS:GO has a big gap in Asia. You know, you don't. There's there's no real Chinese CS:GO players out there because the game's banned in China. So I think most games have some sort of blind spot, but FGC because it's so massive. I don't think there's any area that is is lacking some sort of representation. Right. So let me run through the the top four the people we just talked about right now. MK Leo, he's from Mexico. Sonic Fox, American. Goichi, Japanese. Uh, Ash, um, Pakistani. Like you don't see that in the other esports. And sometimes, like with all the negative stuff going on with esports, the community does get scared a little. Is that going to leak into our community now we do have that issue do not get us wrong we need to work that issue out in our in the fighting game community but we don't we don't want that other stuff leaking in and then being reported and then stuff like that like infiltration he was a player from korea that just got in a lot of trouble for domestic violence last year and now even the esports like websites are like well he's back he won a you know samurai showdown he's back and he's going to be good again it's like you guys don't remember what he did it was horrific what he did and we don't want that kind of coverage while we still want to keep that underground like 
we want to keep our personality type of thing, which is kind of hard in esports, like with CSGO and League of Legends, like we were talking about at the very beginning. You can't keep that personality and you can't have that money pouring at the same time. Because sometimes sponsors will get scared of like, well, Sonic Fox said this thing or MKLeo said that thing. Like they get scared. And that's sometimes why that money doesn't pour in. It's a really good point. And sponsors are quick to get scared about esports in general. Hopefully the tide is turning enough that people are like, okay, yeah, it's obviously a place that we should be in. I think for a long time it was pretty, you know, people really are lamenting the loss of the grassroots era of esports when it was really passion driven and community driven. Mm -hmm. And I agree, that was a beautiful time in esports, but also. Don't we want the people who play these games to make money? Yeah, I mean, and don't we? I do. I agree. I want them to to make good amounts of money and be well known, and not just in their small section, but really go mainstream. Like that's what I want from the people in this community. And then also that money trickles down to us esports writers. Like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Passion is great. I got bills. Yes, out of yes, out of Fox, give me your money. <laughs> Oh, you're you're not coming into the you already you know we locked the door. You you gotta reapply to get back in here. You're out. I'm sorry, Mitch. Dang. I don't know how to tell you that. I'm just trying to I'm trying to break in. But <laughs> but for real though, um, and it's also like we said, like with Nintendo and the companies themselves, they need to up their price pool. That is a biggie. Like yeah. you're Nintendo, you need yeah. to. You need to get money in there. Yep, like nobody's going to put money in there if you yeah. don't put money in there yourself. I don't expect Dota money or Fortnite money, but I do expect like decent money for these guys to at least travel and pocket some cash on the way Open there. Open up a couch and pull out a million or dollars. Your Nintendo. How much do I know? The like, it's just, do, I, do I have to Google this? Do I, what the sales of the Switch are? I'll Google it right put a million dollars down for Evo. That's not asking that much. So, um, so I mean, yeah, Mario has that pretty much in his back pocket while saving Princess Peach. They sold 34 million hardware units of the Switch. Okay, so at what a retail of 250, what is it, 300, 34 million? Yeah, you're yeah. you're talking billions. We're in the we're in the well in the and and that's just the system. It's not the games fest in esports every other company is doing it there's a reason for that and it's because they trust their fan base they trust their audience they trust the players now it's your turn to step up nintendo and it's not even nintendo um with drag Ball fighter last year the price pool was ten thousand dollars the esports manager i can never say his name for life of it he started with tekken he took over the esports department of nintendo bankai or Banco, he upped that price pool to eighty thousand dollars. Just literally the next year, he just jumped it up to seventy thousand for the price pool for the finals, just because he wanted to put money into it. Like it's not hard, just do it. I understand. I don't like to spend. People don't like others to spend their money, but you know what? Have Princess Peach open up her wallet or open up the bank vault at the castle, put some money in there. If every developer on this planet is doing $1 million 
prize pools for the biggest tournament of the year. Every single one. Ubisoft, Psyonix, before they're even bought out by Epic Games. These are way smaller companies than Nintendo is. And they can't even do a million. Come on, Nintendo. Get your, get your, get your stuff together. Smash Bros. Melee could have been the biggest esport of all time. It was, it's one of them still, despite Nintendo. And if Nintendo had supported it from the early days, Melee could have, like, it already is a global phenomenon. It already is incredibly popular. And it could have just stayed to the place where Hungrybox, Leffen, Mewtwo King, Mango, and Plup are all household names. But Nintendo never supported the scene. And it's a shame. Yep. And, I mean, to be fair, like, it, back then, I understand the first couple of years, you guys are very timid about it. You know, you don't really think of the competitive gaming. But then you're watching, like, how Street Fighter's coming big, how Tekken was coming big, how Guilty Gear. And it's like, you guys are, like, looking at this game, this little tiny disc that fits in a literal cube. And you're like, oh. Oh, we're going to just leave that there and let the fans take care of it. Like, that... That is one of the things Nintendo, it kind of, it, it hurts because 270,000 people watched that finals, including myself. And if you had even, like, you had a $5 special for something in the game, look how much money could have went towards that prize pool for Evo. The biggest tournament in the world for fighting yep. games. I agree, and I think it's a, it's unfortunate, but... That is all the time we have for this podcast. I do believe, Terrell, thank you so much for joining me, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Always enjoy our conversations. Most definitely. Most definitely. It was good coming on here to talk about fighting games. Yeah, so. I know I know who to call. Whenever there's a yeah. fighting game thing, I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. Terrell is my man. He knows what is happening. He knows the storylines. He would have been a professional fighting game player himself if his mom hadn't grounded him. Yeah, yeah, kids, just listen to your parents. And Mitch will look at the application, see if you can, you know, finally start writing for us. So I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. <laughs> Hopefully the FGC allows me, opens their pearly gates into their beautiful world of esports, and I'll close them immediately, being like, Smash Bros is an esport, and they and will shut me out and throw me back. So it's fine. It'll, it'll be, they'll bring, they'll let you take the Thanksgiving turkey home and everything. It's like, leave it, keep it. It's all yours. It's all yours. So, it's all yours. But it was good talking with you, all right? All right. Good talk, my friend. Good talk. All right.